Hello, everybody. I'm Neil Acharya. And I'm Nate Sager. Welcome to Sports Lit. I don't know about you, but I can say that for myself, the 24-hour news cycle can turn into white noise. It's no different with sports. While the implications of what line Mitch Marner plays on for the Leafs is certainly intriguing to tens of thousands, it might catch my attention briefly before disappearing behind other pressing matters, such as Carey Price's health status and what shirt Lonzo Ball wore to Madison Square Gardens. For years, I found myself searching for more. Almost a decade ago or thereabouts, my co-host, Nate Sager, introduced me to the Best of American Sports Writing, an annual anthology that started publication in 1991. Series editor Glenn Stout and subsequent guest editors bring together what in their estimation is the very best in narrative nonfiction involving sport, from bullfighting to baseball. There I found what I was looking for, and what I believe is at the root of a good feature piece and the ESPN 30 for 30 phenomenon. They're popular productions which peel back the layers and go deeper. This fall, award-winning authors Stacey Mae Fowles and Pasha Mala released the best Canadian sports writing anthology. Today, myself and Nate will chat with Stacey about her motivations for the project and much more. Nate, what do you think about the book? Well, I, I, I just sort of have to start off with, I guess, you know, it made I had to go like break down some some of my preconceived notions about what a you know book would be, because it was kind of like okay, how how Canadian is this going to be? Uh, you know, how how much is, how is it going to differentiate itself from the best American sports writing ser- series? Uh, and I, I was you know. And I'd sort of I'd heard you know mixed things because there's always a couple people. No one's gonna like every when they put these things out. No one's gonna like every piece, but uh, and that. But I really felt like okay, this is an essential that you should have if you're a you know fan of sports and a fan and a fan of good writing in general because there were so many times I was surprised by what I really liked. Uh, there's a piece in there by I think by uh, Richard Banger mm-hmm. about being a cricket fan yes. in Canada. I know nothing about cricket right. and yet I was totally enthralled by it because he described the experience of what it's like when you're live in Canada and your favorite sport is one that's not played on ice. Right. <laughs> so so I it, I so I, I really did, did enjoy it. I, I remember, I, and I'm just coming at it from the perspective of I was maybe a little dubious of it at first because I was just right. kind of like, "This has been done." I didn't think we had that much depth in, in Canada, Canada because right. Well, the seems, population is much. Yeah, we're, 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 we're thirty Americans. We're yeah. fighting the, the the population size. Yeah, we're drawing on thirty five million people, and this is uh, uh, it, right. Obviously, an English language publication. You, mm-hmm. you know, so you got to take you know Quebec right. and sure. large pockets of uh, right. you That's know can- Canada come get taken out of the mix and but uh, it also it's not trying to be definitive it's just trying to say this is a really good cross section of writing and and to me that's what where it worked was that it had the it had the cross it, you know it had the strength right and it had the the depth and the width and the breadth and everything you know what I think uh, certainly what struck what struck me is I mean this is our third episode and. Um, the first two episodes we had books that were there were hockey books and you pretty much had to be a hockey fan to appreciate it and in this book i think you know you could have you can see the art in it i mean great writing is great writing whether you're writing around about ballet or 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 um um yeah, you know, the rodeo yeah um, there's a piece in there about ski ballet which sure. is something yes. like 
by Eva Holland, and it's, it's excellent. Yeah, and, and I just like I just had this Vegas little like mental picture of that being a demonstration sport right. at the 1988 Calgary Olympics, right. and be like, what the hell is this? And it's the sport that actually had, was had a World Cup circuit and disappeared, right? And it got basically taken over by snowboarding and moguls and, and slope style and all that. These pieces, I mean, they really uh, force you to not force you, but they they. Invite you. They invite you to think, and they're, they're, the, the art behind narrative nonfiction is certainly evident in many of the pieces, and, and, and that's what I love about it, and, and that's what I loved about Best of American Sports Writing. Uh, when you first gave it to me, uh, a copy of it, uh, you know, about 10 years ago, it was uh, definitely um, changed. It, 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 I certainly found an avenue where I was like, wow, okay, this is... This is uh, more of what I'm interested in, uh, you know, aside from the regular, you know, because, you know, I talked about it off the top, the, the, the 24 hour news cycle, there's a lot of times where, you know, you're going to get stories about, you know, the Leafs are, um, perfect with Austin Matthews, uh, out of the line. I mean, you know, just stuff like that, or there's so much, yeah, there's like, just an, an, you um, know, in, uh, insatiable, like beast. The latest defeat, from Robida right? Island. And I mean, I actually, I'd, I'd actually be interested in a piece on the latest from Robida Island. I think that actually is kind of intriguing, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you know that, what I mean? I haven't right? heard that one. Yeah. I've, I know what you mean. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's cursory. It's, it's very, sur- it just it's goes surf- away very quick. It's surface level right. and it's, it's just sort of meant to fill in. It's, right. it's like this thing they say about television, right? I mean, the fact they take a break every seven minutes to show commercials, the, the unstated, uh, messages nothing matters and right and here this is showing as i think stacy talks about that mm-hmm. people turn to sports because they there's an emotional need to connect with something and uh it, and a lot of times that just isn't reflected it's assumed that this is just a very uh transactional relationship and for a lot of people it is right, right. i mean I'm, which is totally you're, 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 you know you've got your you've got your fantasy league you've got your Listen, whatnot. there was a time we do those two. Uh, when, you know, the Leafs were making playoff runs, probably 93. I'd say it was after the 93, 94 runs. The, the ones in the late 90s, uh, the conference finals in 99 and 02, um, where, you know, I would, as soon as the game was done, I would go to TSN and I'd want to watch the post clips from start to finish. <laughs> uh, it's not so much that the case anymore. I mean, I would much rather just... Hear about the game. Yeah, I think, I, I think when you once. get it, I think when you get a truly great game, you just as soon as it's over, you just want to like click. I have my memories. Yeah, the Will DeNovi piece. That's the uh, second last one in the book about being a film producer, a Canadian living in the states and f- getting in love with football. And he mentions the famous yeah. Boise State Oklahoma game. I remember shutting that off as soon as Boise State scored the winning two point conversion, right. and I missed the running back proposing to his girlfriend. Yes, well, <laughs> those are cases sometimes when maybe we we should have kept it going. But um, uh, you know, yeah. The, the bottom line is this. I mean, w- without rambling anymore. Than, than, than we already are. Um, uh, going deeper is fun, and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to talking to Stacy with you about uh, about that that kind of area of sport and that area of writing. Yeah, it's like and, anything. It's about the people, not the event itself, right? And I think there's sometimes a bias that goes the other way in sports coverage because you always have the columnist. I've covered 35 Super Bowls, at, you know, right. in 16 Olympics, and it's like, well, that's great, and but that's not what it's really about, right? right. It's not. It's not about that that number. Yeah, not always. That's for sure. Narrative nonfiction. Let's let's talk about it. Coming up on Sports Lit. 
All right, welcome back in. Um, I'm here with Nate Sager and Stacy May Fowles has joined us. We had a debate earlier about how to say your name and I, I've, I've heard that we said it correctly. I always say Stacy May Fowlball is the easiest way to remember it. That makes sense. Of course, the yeah. baseball book, which we'll talk about after. Um, but we're here in the Toronto Reference Library, uh, where The weekend shot a video. Yep. You may be a weekend fan. I, I am a weekend fan. How can you And I'm a fan of the library. Where you can check out Best Canadian Sports Writing, um, a book compiled by Stacey May Fowles is with us, and Pasha Mala. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Pasha Mala, that's Pasha right. Pasha Mala. And um, that's what we're here to talk about, so we'll get right into it. Um, Please explain to us your motivations for uh, compiling this uh, anthology. Um, I, th I mean, I think initially my motivations weren't entirely clear. <laughs> um, I it, it was one of those projects that um, it came together in this amazingly seamless way, um, which in publishing is not always the case, right? Publishing can of often be clunky and long, and and you you face a lot of obstacles. But you know, as I said, the day the book launched, I, I said this felt like this project felt like a series of yeses. Um, you know, I'd long um, been a reader of best American sports writing, and I'd often wondered why we didn't have a best Canadian version, given that there was so much quality sports writing in this country. Um, and it was sort of like an idle idea I had. Um, I brought it to my agent, and she thought it was a great idea. And um, we immediately got interest from publishers. Um, when I went to Pasha, I've known Pasha for about probably close to 15 years now. Um, and he sort of has an interest in the sports that I don't have an interest in, so it felt like a good melding. Um, both of us tend to be a little more literary in, in our interests, so I think that we approached this project as readers, not necessarily as editors. Um, Obviously, we were editors, but it was more of what do we enjoy, um, what is compelling, what is narrative. Um, and we did get interest from some publishers in the end. We went with ECW, and they were they were on board right away, and off we went. Um, we did a call for submissions, and we also solicited um, work. And we just sort of tried to, um, ha to just pull together the broadest range of perspectives on sports in Canada. Um, you know, it's 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 an incredible collection, and I was um, really blessed to work with all the writers that are in the book. Um, you know, it is by no means complete. There's, you know, there's so much great writing happening in this country. A lot of it is happening apart from the mainstream, and I think that's what we wanted to showcase with this book. Yeah, I, my, my question was, once you sort of knew, okay, this is a go, how, how much did the project, did it, things change in the conception? Like... Because to me, because it was kind of like, I mean, you had the title and then it was kind of like, okay, we, but you, as you touched on, you really wanted to like make sure that you, you went, got all these different things. So, you know, it wasn't like a sound alike. And, and I think that's great. Uh, so I just wondered how much maybe did like priorities or emphasis in shift in any way. Um, I, I mean, I think from the get-go, there was, a, you know, some obvious, you know, there, there's a piece in the book that um, Stephen Brunt wrote about Roberto Asuna. And I remember, you know, it's a, it's a much more, it's a sports net piece, it's a much more mainstream piece, but it was so compelling. And it was sort of one of the starting points for me. It was like, you know, I want to showcase this kind of narrative storytelling. Um, but as we sort of got deeper into it, it was amazing 
how, you know, working with Pasha and, and we, I mean, we complement each other really well um, in terms of our tastes, but also our working styles. Um, you know, I'm, I'm totally surprised by how much wrestling is in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, how it's actually one of the longest pieces is a wrestling piece. Yeah. Um, um, let, me, let me find the name of that right here. You bought, Spen- please continue. Was that Spencer Gordon? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a very, and, and it came from, Spencer's, Spencer's piece came from a journal, right? A, a literary journal, right? It didn't, Getting over. Yeah. Um, there, you know, there's a piece on cricket that was in, I believe, Brick Magazine. Yep. You know, there's sort of unlikely sources. There's a beautiful Hazlitt piece on ice dancing. Okay. Yeah, um, yes, 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 I remember just, that one too. I, I mean, I think we sort of started with this idea of, you know, there were some o- more obvious picks just because... That's the kind of stuff that gets the marketing push behind it. That's the stuff that gets the eyeballs on it. Um, but as we started to dig deeper, um, we found that there's, I mean, so many interesting takes um, on how we interact with sports, how fandom plays into sports, how passion, how our own lives. Um, and it just became um, just more holistic view than the typical um, you know, profile, reportage, that sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, I guess I guess in uh, direct question, what constitutes what makes sports writing distinctly Canadian? I guess because there's there's some instances in here where it's the author might be Canadian and the subject may not be right. Yeah. I mean, so how did you guys come up with what you were going to define as Canadian? Well, we I mean we talked about sort of avoiding a nationalism, right? That was mm. really important to us because I think you know there are stereotypes about Canada and sports that are very limiting. Mm. Um, you know, it's Hockey. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we, we were joking. Like they had the, the three C's: the curling, CFL, and the Calgary Stampede. Where, where, are, where are they here? Um, so I, th- I mean, I think we just kind of said you had to be Canadian. That was that was it. Okay. But we, I mean, we, in terms of venues or subject matter, um, it was about showcasing Canadian writers right. more than it was about um, a typically Canadian sports writing. Um, and I and I often think when you know I'm talking about this book, best is kind of a, a misnomer in a way. I mean, obviously, I think that this is the the greatest sports writing in in this country. Um, but this idea of best can be very limiting, right? That like whose idea of best and and who is the arbiter of taste and and we often when we say best, it's very limiting, right? So what we were trying to do is something more expansive. Um, that opened people up to new ideas rather than being like, this is a strict list of what is what qualifies as good in this country. Right. Um, so if, if Wright Thompson uh, wrote a story about something that happened in Halifax with a sporting event, he would not be able to uh, count. Uh, he would not qualify to be in this book, right? You have to be a Canadian writer. That, that was sort of our only prerequisite, right. yeah. Um, um, we also had sort of a wide... Um, time limit on it we we started with a calendar year right but we were finding um that things were falling outside of that particular calendar year so we actually stripped the the time limit away from it so and 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 um i i assume that um well i lost my train of thought i was going to say uh something about um oh yes um did you find, I'm going to skip ahead, I actually forgot my line there, um, <laughs> I'm going to skip ahead to the second part of what I was going to ask you. Um, I believe, and I'm trying to get back to grade 11 English, um, uh, Margaret Atwood uh, had said something like geography has a huge play in 
Canadian literature. Yeah. Um, or, as, as I'm sure it does in, in, you know, a lot of other countries, fiction but or nonfiction. But did you find, like, did you feel like there was a geographical element? Like, when I was reading this and I'm reading about Whale Cove and I'm reading yeah, about... Yeah, and I, and I find that, like, you know, some of the, the pieces that, that stood out for me when I read them initially were, were pieces about places and how sports... Um, I mean, not so much geography, but how sports um, is a unifying factor in isolated communities, isolated communities, um, places where that are not so connected to, you know, a huge stadium or a huge team or, you know, it, it's more about how sports connects people um, in in smaller places. Right. So, right. you know, there's a, a beautiful um, piece about. Um, a, a basketball league in the north, right? Right. And, yeah, that, and, that was a very. Okay. I loved it. And it it just and that was such, it's such a human story, and I think it's a story that doesn't get told a lot in the daily beat writing and the daily um, you know who's getting traded where and that sort of it about how um, sports is very healing. Um, there's a beautiful you know there's a beautiful storyline about how. Um, a convenience store owner gets involved in the right. um, the basketball league because it helps him with depression and and you know those are the sort of storylines that I'm particularly interested in um, right. as you may know <laughs> um, but but they're also ones that are not showcased as much as these sort of big um, profiles star-studded kind of you know accessy kind of things. Um, but that's not to say that the you know the more high profile stuff isn't as valuable, right? There's you know Eric Kareem wrote a beautiful piece um, on Chuck Hayes. Yeah, like it, and that was you know it was so personal and it was um, and it was sort of revealing in a way that didn't feel exploitive and um, there, I mean there's so many different ways to approach it and I don't think that we were disposing of a certain kind of sports writing we were just trying to open up what sports writing could be uh, the the story you were talking about regarding the uh, basketball league in uh, canada's frozen north was a mm-hmm. uh, you know called home court by sam riches uh about filipino hoops up yeah. there so it had that cultural element a lot of people probably wouldn't know that this is going on had they not read this no and and it's such a beautiful piece it's so well told is that why you opened with it like how did that work I did. <laughs> did, you, did you choose how did you choose the order um I, I, it, and, I mean, it was just really nuts and bolts. Like, I took a first crack at it, and then, you know, it was in an Excel document. And then, uh, and what we tried to do is sort of, um, instead of doing it in this kind of, well, all of these sports pieces of a certain type are together, or all of these sports pieces of a certain sport were together, we tried to sort of make it ebb and flow a little bit. Um, so, you know, here's hockey, here's football, here's wrestling again. Right. <laughs> so much wrestling. Um, but also the Which approach. surprised you. Because you... there, you know, there was opinion pieces and there's, you know, straight up reporting and we, we tried to make it as, as mixed up as possible. Um, and, you know, we started on a narrative note and we ended on a narrative note, so. Um, uh, a, were you surprised by how much wrestling was in it? Um, B... Uh, in terms of the dates, and that's the question I forgot to ask you before I went into that whole uh, Margaret Atwood geography thing. Um, um, the, you, you kept the dates open. You talked about this initially. It was going to be a, a year or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was 2016 was the, was the initial year. 
And, um, and that's obviously because this is the first edition. It has. I mean, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, the hope but, is that we're going to do more. And um, then will the window then be in that calendar year? It'll be post whatever the last piece we, you know, right. We, um, so buy it so there can be more. That's my plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, these things are, I mean, the reality in Canada is anthologies don't do that well. Um, you know, this, this is, ECW is taking a bit of a risk on this book because it's, you know, it's a new thing. There hasn't been a lot of, amazingly, there hasn't been a lot of attempts to collect great sports writing in this country. You know, when we were looking, when you're writing a book proposal, you sort of look and see where, where it's happened before. And we weren't finding a ton of examples. Um, you know, I think there was yeah. one in the nineties and, okay. um, yeah, there was one in the two thousands, I think called the way it looks from here, but it was very much newspaper oriented and, yeah, and, and I mean, there was there was some talk early on in the process, like, let's make this a Canada 150 thing, and we were kind oh, of please, resistant thank, to thank that. You, and, please, thank you for not doing that. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I think what we want to do is is do it every year, and it's, it's not necessarily a project that's about... Um, it's a project that's about showcasing the um, amazing things that are happening in this country. It's not so much this, you know, as I said before, this limiting kind of list that happens annually where it's right. like, well, this is the best of the best, and which I think is what kind of happens with these things is, you know, there's an exclusionary list that gets produced. and um, But if, I mean, if you look at the book, you, you'll be amazed at, at the range of mm-hmm. stuff and the range of perspectives. And... You know, it's Pash has said this great thing, and I'm I'm paraphrasing him, but he he said some of the most compelling pieces in the book were about sports I don't care about, mm-hmm. because it, writers have this ability to sort of introduce you to, um, you know, like there's a street racing piece, yep. and I, Morgan Campbell, and I, and I, I would have previously said I didn't care about street racing, but he'd done this amazing piece that sort of revealed this underground street racing. Um, in Toronto, and I, we, I was just totally enthralled by it. Um, and I think Pat is absolutely right. It's, you know, people often say, "I'm not interested in exports, so I'm not going to read that." Whereas right. this book sort of like explodes that notion. Right, and I mean that's real. The the art behind it, right? They can make you care about something you don't you wouldn't otherwise really care about right? it feels so good to freely brag about a book because <laughs> I didn't write the actual pieces of it I'm like it's so good you should buy it right now well sometimes it's easier to do <laughs> well, I, I was kind of interested like what was the process like in just getting down to I think the 38 selections I, I, I just I just when I was think, thinking of like the two of you working together and I was like, this man, this must be must be like when you know, like uh, you know, life partners are trying to you know, decide what to name their child or something. Like, I mean, I think in, in any circumstance where you sort of take on a partner on a project, it it can be a bit scary because yeah, sports like lit guys, with Nate Sager and the Acharya. Who knows? Sorry, right? continue, continue. Um, and I mean, I've known Pasha long enough to know that I like him, <laughs> but I've never really had. It's interesting because we actually, we met because we worked together at a literary journal many years ago, now defunct literary journal. So that's mm-hmm. how we actually initially met. You can say the name. Um, Descant okay. was the name of the literary right. journal. And uh, and we've since gone on to, you know, publish books and, and you know, he is, he is incredibly successful in his literary career. And um, so it was sort of nice to reunite with him um, on a project. 
But you, I mean, you don't know how it's gonna be. Like it's, it is like a date, right? <laughs> and it actually amazed me how easy it was, um, because we had we sort of fit together, you know, like puzzle pieces in terms of um, what we were interested in, and and there were some pieces that you know I may not have picked, and pieces that he may not have picked, but in the end. Um, you know, when we had a final conversation about the contest of the book, it was sort of this, we had been able to show each other the value of set pieces, and um, yeah, it, the book was so much better for his work on it, absolutely. Is, is part of the sales pitch for this book that, you know, you could, you know, we, we talked about you could not, you might not be interested in a, a particular sport, but you could find this story captivating. So, is this, does this go beyond a sports audience too, for in terms of sales and who, who, who this could reach and who would be interested? I think so, and I, I mean, I say that as a person that um, felt really excluded from sports fandom and sports culture for a really long time. Um, which I read about in my other book. <laughs> oh, is that, is that this book that uh, this just book happens right to be here, here. called uh, Baseball Life Advice? That book, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that part of the reason for doing this project of Best Canadian Sports Writing is to invite people into sports culture um, in a way that, um, I mean, it can be really, it can be a really limiting environment and a really uncomfortable environment for people. And I think... Everybody, I, I mean, I'm married to somebody who doesn't like sports, so I totally understand how it can. How did that ever happen? It, it just happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it can be a very unattractive environment for some people, and I'm totally empathetic to that because I spent a good decade away from it. But um, I think that this book is sort of an invitation in a lot of ways because it's very human. I think somebody somebody said it's a, it's... There's a, a quote from a review about how it's a very human book. It's a, a, a book about being alive or something. I'm totally, I'm paraphrasing completely, but it's de it's definitely not about stats and scores. It's sure. about the human experience of sports. Um, you know, off the top, Nate, we talked about the the best of American sports writing, and you you talked about kind of building upon that for this. So, explain the influence of. Uh, BASW on this? Well, it's been around for a long time. I can't quote you how many years, but it's 1991. Yeah, that first Thank one you. was 1991. Thank yeah. you. Me and Nate are both, uh, actually, Nate uh, put me on to Best of American Sports Writing about 10 years ago. Bought me a book, uh, and I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. Um, it's, you know, it's the kind of thing, like, I've bought my dad for Christmas, you know, it's a very sort of, it's, it's a annual tradition. Yes. Um, and so obviously the influence was there immediately. Um, and, and the question, like, why don't we have one of these? Right. It makes no sense. Um, and also like the sports community in the U.S. and, and the American version is open to Canadian writers. Yes. Which is an interesting one of, of us this. here may have submitted something in the recent... Uh, two of us might have. Two of us. <laughs> uh, Nate, uh, are you in this group too? Have you submitted anything to... Oh, uh, I, oh I don't like to... I didn't just say... Yeah, I, I think it was the, the 2005 book. I was like a notable... Page three twenty two with my name misspelled, but um, and it, I mean it's, it's quite a prestigious thing, right? And the the writing community every year it comes out, and you know everybody tweets that they're in it or who's in it. 
Um, but it has, you know, and I don't want to get too into this aspect of things, but it has had its criticisms, right? Because it has a tendency to be very one note in terms of who it includes. And yeah. that's a reflection of um, sports writing in general in North America, that it's, you know, it is the domain of um, white straight men, you know, that right. that's kind of, um, you know, there's a bit of a chicken and egg thing happening there, like what gets published, what gets included. So I think Passion and I were felt like it was really important to think about that going into this book. Well, that that's one of the major ways I saw it deviate, obviously. And I mean, if you look at the submission guide, and I'm going to read it, not guide, but I guess the the, the on the website explains uh, right from the outset, where uh, is it? Okay, we prioritize inclusivity and strongly encourage writers of all backgrounds and identities to submit their best sports writing, especially those who have traditionally been excluded from the mainstream sports conversation. So that's the the one major way it deviates from uh, the best yeah, American sports and, writing. And just to piggyback on Neil's point, I think, uh, and your point too, Stacey, it was, I think I looked up, up, like I think it was like the best American sports writing from 20 years ago, so like 1997, and 20 of the 21 pieces were by men. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one was, a, uh, was like a long-form newspaper piece by Linda Robertson, who wrote for the Miami Herald, so... Yeah, and I, I mean, I often say um, that for whatever reason, the realm of sports writing is so much slower than every other realm. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to catch up to the demands um, for diversity that every other genre of writing seems to have. Like it seems perfectly acceptable for Sportsnet to put up that photo of their deeper, deepest roster of experts, right. and it's like twenty-seven white men. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just... The 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 other way it, it deviates major way is is I feel like I don't think I've seen multiple authors published in a single uh, piece. So I'm or single I guess edition of, of Best of American Sports Writing. But here, for example, Sarah Kerchak has three. Yeah, I three mean pieces. part of we part of the reason we did that with Sarah's work is that um, you know we discussed it and her pieces are quite short. Right. Um, so we she deals a great deal with uh, disability in the realm of sports, specifically autism. Right. Um, so we felt it was important, um, you know, her writing for Vice was, um, you know, she, she would write these shorter, well-argued pieces, and we thought, well, why don't we do a suite of her work? Um, oh, okay. So that's part of the reason why we did that, just to be able to, you know, because we had sort of an idea of word count, um, and we really wanted to showcase the, the, the range of work that she was doing. So, um, you know, and, and her work just kind of blew me away in terms of, I mean, she has these incredibly well-reasoned, thoughtful arguments, um, and she's very she she can convey them in such a a short space. Mm-hmm. Um, Hemingway. And it felt it <laughs> kind of felt like a shame to sort of limit it to just one of her pieces, right? So we collected up three that we liked and put them together. Did did anything get uh, because of the kind of what we talked about and the inclusivity and and kind of looking kind of outside the lines, I'd say. Did anything get left out, you felt, because you had to, you know, you were kind of aiming for that? Did it, was there, was there No, I, d- I don't think so. No. I, I, like, the, nothing notable comes to mind. Right. Um, I, I think that, I, I mean, I think the really interesting thing was that we opened it up to submissions, um, and... It, and this is something that editors say time and time again, was that the submissions were primarily white men. Okay. 
Um, and so we, we really had, to, we solicited a great deal of the work because the, the inbox was consistently full of, mm. <laughs> and I, I mean, it, it was great work, but it, you know, it just wasn't what we were looking for. Right. Um, and I mean, people often say this in publishing that like the degree of confidence that, that goes into like a white man submitting his, his work and the reluctance of, of other people to submit their work. It, it just, it was, you know, it's a thing that people say time and time again that, you know, please send your work. Mm -hmm. um, because in the end, like a great deal of this book has been solicited. Um, and we, you know, when we found Sarah's work, for example, it was like, oh, this is so amazing, but she didn't send it to us. Right. We, we found it. Right. right. So yeah. okay. if, if it, you're, if you're percentage wise, if you're ballparking, like what percentage of the pieces in the book were solicited? I would say it was over 50%. Wow. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, but I mean, that's, that's normal. Okay. I think that like, you know, busy freelance writers are busy freelance writers. So they're trying to make a living rather than submitting work. Right. And it was the first year. So it, it wasn't that high profile. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it was an interesting process in terms of seeing what came in in the inbox and what we had to solicit. So do those two caveats, uh, we talked about in terms of like the inclusivity and then the multiple entries, was that also, did that also help separate this in a way from best of American sports writing in the sense that you, we would have something just that's different. Like it's not just the Canadian version. I mean, or maybe you've answered that already. I, I, I there's there's something in the introduction where Pasha talks about like how it's important not to sort of little brother ourselves and right. be like, well, how do we compare to the American right. version? So I'm going to stop are, you right are, there. Are, 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 am I comparing us to? Okay, all right, fair enough. Nate, question four. No, question four. Question four. Yeah, we had we had We're numbered questions. Here. Am I random? No, no, we did we, we did kind of talk talk about that, and we have. I think, we're, I think we're actually on six. I just, I guess. Uh, six. Uh, yeah, we're on hold six. on, hold on. Oh no, no, hold on. I'm gonna go here. Um, <laughs> we, we we we're going going to question five now. Okay, so we tend to get all over the place, so we have to like no, organize ourselves. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a lot of rambling uh, uh, last time, so we, we said we we had our powwow today. We had we were in the war room. We typed everything out on Google Docs. Um, so um, we talked about specific pieces, and, and the ones that jumped out to me were home court, which we talked about, about the Filipino basketball league in the Yukon. I can't shut up about that piece. Uh, I just love it what so started much. The, started the anthology, as we said. Uh, Dan Robson's piece, The Boys from Whale Cove. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, a hockey team from north, the northwest coast of Hudson Bay and how they go to the big city and experience life and... Uh, that that was also a great one. Um, Two-part question. Uh, Nate loves two-part questions. We already talked about that today, uh, which usually means that the person going to answer the first part and then forget your second question. You have to ask it again. Yeah. But, um, uh, what were some of your favorites? Can you pick one? Is this hard? It's like picking one of your children, like... Uh, um, I mean, I, there, it's interesting because, you know, you, you're sort of wearing two hats, right? You're, you are a human, you are a reader, you are a fan of sports, and then also you're an editor creating a book, right? So there's, there's two different perspectives. Um, 
like emotionally, um, I I was a big fan of Shannon Proudfoot's piece, longtime listener, first time caller. Oh, that was great. Yeah. And I think that's because I listen to a lot of baseball talk radio. Oh yeah. Um, I don't Mike know Wilmer. why. A lot of yeah, I listen to a lot of Mike Wilder, and I don't actually know why I do that. Yeah, People yeah. say it's bad for me. By the way, are the Blue Jays going to trade their first round pick for a left-handed specialist? I think they should. When she walked in, like she's like our insider, isn't she? Uh, I'm, I'm imitating like the Somebody's typical Jays. Caller. point in the podcast to find out the answer. So now that you've said it, Stacy, um, I'm going to ignore that. Okay. Um, exactly. I hope so. I'm glad you did. I mean, it, for me, that piece was sort of a. It was like an an insightful look into something that we it dominates the sports conversation, but we don't talk about like the, just the weirdness of talk radio and call in and yeah. and this idea that there are people who like sit there and wait till the end of a game that has demoralized them and yeah. call in and it's a form of therapy for yeah. people. It was just a fascinating piece. Didn't they say, and then the, the, one of the key points in that is, is like having a winning team makes for bad talk radio, right? If you're a bad team, they're... Yeah. they're and, the, and, the pe- and the callers that lose their nerve, too. Like, and there's a caller that developed um, his own personality uh, or some kind of... He was known to call in, like Vito from Woodbridge, but he was in Edmonton. I forget <laughs> what his name was, but uh, yeah, that was a great piece. So what's the tie that binds the, these great pieces of narrative nonfiction, I guess is the right word, right, Nate? Narr- narrative nonfiction yeah. or... Um, what what's the tie that binds? Just that they're good. Like it's and that's such a weird word because what does that mean, right? What what is the what is the criteria for good? What is the criteria for goodness? Now we're we're sort of does it make you feel a certain now way? we're in a moral philosophy class. Um, I I just I feel like it was just um, things that were moving and well crafted and and it shifted from like you'll notice if you read the book that the styles are very diverse. You know there's. There's pieces that are, um, you know, straight up opinion pieces, and then you know Catherine Laidlaw's piece about um, the 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 mountain climber. Um, it, it's it is classic, beautiful magazine, literary magazine writing. You know, it's just so. I think I, you know, it's it's sort of award-winning magazine writing. Um, and then there's a piece about how the Knicks are like the surface of the sun. Yeah, so, that was uh, that was interesting. Like, uh, it it is very much. Um, it's about being compelling, and that definition can shift from from piece to piece for sure. And I think that was the most important thing to us that it wasn't there wasn't a template for what good meant. Um, and that, you know, a broad range of readers could read a broad range of writers and be compelled. You know, we're in the age of, uh, you know, the proliferation of media. Um, obviously, the 24-7 news cycle has been around for decades now. Um, where does long form fit in that, uh, you know, in, in that whole spectrum? I mean, to me, and I mean, we're not really here to hear what I think. We're here to hear what you think. But... I mean, I feel like there's a like when you see something like 30 for 30 um, and some of these great feature video pieces, I mean, the roots, uh, for example, Christina Rutherford's piece on Harrison Brown is in here, which I think started that whole conversation as a, and people start finding out more about it through features. Um, where Where is long form and is it the root of some of these great pieces we see in terms of visual pieces as well? I think, I think there's sort of this myth, I mean, you know, I have a background in 
in magazine circulation and mm. and you know pub- publishing marketing, mm-hmm. which is an interesting sort of curse <laughs> because I you know I, I can see what publications are doing and and I can get upset by it you know this like pivot to video stuff mm. and how everything is like hot takes and mm. and clickbait and right. you know this idea that you know we're gonna build a publication around what people will cl- I mean there's a right. piece there was a piece going around yesterday about you know, a picture with an injury, and yeah. it, and the headline was so not reflective of the actual story. Like he was, yeah, he was okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. and I think that there is this hunger now mm-hmm. to sort of step away from this, um, you know, social media churn mm-hmm. of you know five hundred word pieces or six hundred word pieces. Right. Um, and and have a luxurious, insightful, thoughtful, beautiful read. Yes. Um, whether or not that will survive, um, that it's hard to say. But I think humans are hungering for it. Does, does clickbait and all this crap that's out there really, though, almost feed this? Because it's like there's a greater need now than ever to, to actually have some substance. You know, I mean, maybe not a greater need more than ever, but there's, there's certainly when you're seeing some of the the clickbait crap you I mean at least I go wow I'd really love to like go deeper well I, I mean I think there's a greater emotional need whether or not there's a greater need that will be paid for is <laughs> is the issue right sure. so I mean I think that's the thing that we're facing I, you know readers don't no longer believe they have to pay for writing right. which is a huge problem which is started years and years ago um you know it's not a new phenomenon that readers believe this um as soon as you start getting like 9.99 magazine subscriptions that's when it was over because that doesn't pay for great writing right Right. advertisers pay for the writing which is don't even get me started on this maybe google Google and facebook (laughs) will start a nice long form magazine um that's i mean that's scary (laughs) that's a scary idea um but i think like, it, it, there is a really nice opportunity to celebrate this kind of writing, and I think that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to say, you know, there is an opportunity. There is a lot of work online that is beautiful and thoughtful and well-crafted, um, and the the Internet has actually had a very opening-up effect. Um, it's, it, it's less gatekeepy. It's less limiting. Um, it's, you know, it's not the networks. It's not... Um, you know, always Sportsnet all the time. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with Sportsnet. Um, I mean, there are some things wrong with Sportsnet, but there, a lot of great writing comes out of Sportsnet. Um, but it's not the only thing, right? So is there, that because they have the magazine? I mean, TSN doesn't have a magazine. Yeah, Sportsnet no longer has. They, the magazine. But is it because they had the magazine that maybe there was some? Do you feel like a quality of writing? Can you? Is there a discernible? Uh, I, I would argue that yes, the yeah. magazine the magazine did have a lot to do with right. their investment in in great long form sports writing, right. um, absolutely, and that has carried over online for sure. Um, but I think it's important that like Sportsnet, like any publication, um, has a mission, and you know I think that it's important to to keep other publications with other missions alive. 
Well said, Nate. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, just to expand on the, what you said about filling that emotional need, because I was sort of, you know, when, while preparing for this, I sort of asked one of my colleagues at work about baseball life advice, and she just lit up. Oh. She was just like, oh my goodness, this book made me a baseball fan. It so was, nice. It was so, you know, it was, it, she's like, I didn't understand, like, you know, anything about the sport until it, someone sort of came along and, you know, started to, like, add some depth and breadth to, you know, who these people are without you know I guess talking down to them or without you know doing what most baseball broadcasts do which is to hit you over the head with 10 pounds of uh, cherry pick statistics right yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know where I was going but I, I, I guess I sort of did want to sort of pivot into something because well, one of your go ahead yeah, no, I, mean, we just, I, mean, I, I, I think this is uh, where we're going to talk about your background too because we haven't really talked about yeah you know that's uh, where I was going where you <laughs> You know where you started and, and 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 what you're all about. I mean, we focused on the book, but please tell us about yourself. Oh yeah, no. Um, it, it, it's interesting to like this whole idea that I'm the editor of Best Canadian Sports Writing because I think that Pasha, both Pasha and myself, not to diminish Pasha's achievements because he's incredible, um, but I think we both came at this project as people who love great writing and love sports. Like we're not. We're, we're not in any way people who are experts, right? We're people that want to celebrate great sports writing, and part of the reason for that is that we love it, right? So this, this book came from a place of love, and I'm, you know, I'm an incredibly passionate sports fan, primarily an incredibly passionate baseball fan. I would say, like, 98% baseball fan. <laughs> Are you well, I mean, you're also <laughs> you're also uh, an award-winning novelist, journalist, and essayist, uh, written about sports for the Globe and Mail, the Walrus, Torontoist, and the National Post, Deadspin, Hazlitt, Vice Sports, uh, and a book. So, I mean, I thought you were going to tell us a little bit about that. Well, too. I, but I, yeah. So don't I, be modest. I'm Remember, not, Nate tried not... false modesty earlier. We want some. <laughs> now we get some real modesty. But just please. I mean. um, I've sort, of, but I've always sort of in my sports writing, which I've probably. I mean, I was primary, primarily an arts and culture writer. I, um, in terms of my journalism and my essays, and um, you know, I I moved into sports writing in in 2011, 2012, around that time, um, and I was always very transparent about my lack of bias. Right. I I wrote from the perspective. You know, as they say, wrote from the stands. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I didn't have access in the time, but right. but I would you know I'm very passionate about sports and I'm very passionate about um, people feeling included in sports culture and so I you know I think I came at this best Canadian sports writing project from that perspective instead of sort of a you know while I've done editing projects in the past I think I came at it from a a you know sort of a a raw, raw promoter of sports and sports culture and sports community and sports writing rather than, you know, some sort of editor-in-chief kind of person would. Um, but yeah, no, I've been writing about baseball primarily for since about 2012. Um, and part of that has been writing a newsletter called Baseball Life Advice, um, which eventually turned into a book deal and is now a book so that's that's sort of my most recent personal project 
Yeah. What? What? what now, what, what, going way back, like when you way were back. when you were young, like what? 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 What made you a Blue Jays fan? Well, we're all about the same age, so I'm um, always eager to hear. So, yeah. So my my baseball story is that um, my dad took me to games. My dad is a British immigrant. Um, immigrated to Canada in the late 70s around the same time the Jays became a team um, and he was he actually played basketball in England and um, was you know a soccer fan a football fan um, and Who did he support uh, Liverpool Neil is a, <laughs> a Liverpool fan so um, so he moved to Canada with my mother um, and baseball was introduced to Toronto and subsequently Canada and he thought well I'll go to baseball games to acclimatize myself to North American culture not long after I was born so I went to baseball games with my dad which is sort of you know very cliche predictable baseball indoctrination story so I was sort of in my formative years when the Jays won the World Series I was you know 13 14 years old Went, grew up, went to university, sports became not cool, you know, that the thing that happens where you're like, sports aren't cool, I'm into art now. <laughs> um, and then um, around 2011, I was actually diagnosed with depression and um, watching the postseason. And I, you know, as the story goes, I um, found that I really loved it was actually Justin Verlander. Yeah, was um, that the Tigers-Cardinals World Series? No, it wasn't the World Series. He was oh. pitching in the postseason. Okay. But that was his Cy Young year. Um, and, and the year he threw a no-hitter against the Jays. Yeah. And I was I'm such like, a nerd for no idea. oh, I, I just love this thing. And I don't know if either of you have ever been depressed. But when you're depressed, um, you don't love anything. So this, you know, moment of loving baseball um, just was sort of transformative for me. So ever since then, I've been writing about how the game has sort of healing properties for people. And um, the process of writing this book has been amazing in the sense that people have so many of their own stories to tell. They email me, they talk to me at events, and they say, you know, baseball got me through my divorce, it got me through loss, it got me through grief. Um, so that's sort of that was sort of the impetus for the book. There's more in there, but um, that was sort of the starting point for it. And um, yeah, it's been really interesting because I've been writing about the game for six years about. And, um, you know, over time I've had increasing access. So I sort of started from this distance and, you know, have since ended up in the clubhouse. And it's been... It's sort of been a fascinating experience, especially for somebody who's been writing for so long to sort of start anew um, in a new genre and a new field um, and be almost a novice again. It's been really a fascinating. Like the last two years of my life have just been like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's been really interesting. I, 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 and I want to share the one quote you have from, uh, I think the essay is called Watching Like a Girl. Yeah. And it's like, when it, when it is so difficult for them to participate, when they have to work so much harder to be included, why would anyone doubt how much they love it? And I, I was like, I mean, that's perfect. And I, it made me sort of think about, you know, I, I've probably been like that with, you know, people who don't know as much about a sport as, as I do. Like, yeah. So you made me think, man, I, I'm, I can really be a jerk. It's, it's, <laughs> but I will say, it's, 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 it's not a gender thing. It's just me being, being oh, a, no, having no, know-it-all yeah. tendencies. But it's kind of funny. I think... Uh, my sister 
and I went to a baseball, a Jays game maybe seven or eight years ago. And my sister's husband is from, uh, is Palestinian. He's from, grew up in Jordan and came to Canada's 20s. And I tried, I was trying to explain like basic baseball concepts, but I was just, just kept like overshooting. And finally, my sister Trina just had to step in. She's like, okay, this is what happens. And like she explained, and by the end, like she was explaining things to Armour better than I ever could. And, but I, I think, but I, I just love what you say that because it's like, I think that really hit, does that really sort of hit on what you're talking about with sports should be inclusive? Yeah. And I mean, it's the process of promoting baseball life advice has actually been really interesting because, um, and I haven't talked about it a great deal. <laughs> Um, but there has been a sort of certain degree of antagonism in the process of promoting the book where I've, I've actually had moments where I've realized that like somebody is challenging me in the context of doing media or that like I've literally written a book about baseball and I'm still getting that kind of, you know, I, you know, I had somebody interviewing me and they were like, well, is there really sexism? And I was like, I can't, I can't even believe this is happening. Like it's, it's, you know, and looking back over the last eight months, um, there was certainly this was before Weinstein. Yes, this was before. Um, but it, it, it's, it's just really interesting that this sort of like low grade antagonism exists, even in the context of writing a book about sexism in sports and being interviewed in a, a like media context and having somebody be like, are you sure? You spent all this time writing this book and are you sure? Like, it's, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> like, and, you know, like I, I was asked a question about my opinion on pictures and I shared it and it was an opinion and it was like no I don't think that's and it's just it's it's sort of this bizarre I don't I, I don't know like it, even even in you can you can spend all this time writing this book and have the credentials to talk about a game and still you will be challenged on your opinions on it so you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, that, that does really, really see, seem unfair because you, like I say, put in the miles. And, and it really, I mean, it really is the just how sports is weirdly, it, it, it people like to fight and, and sort of like, it, it banter sort of turns into this like ceaseless argument, right? Which mm. is, which is very different than a lot of other realms I've existed in. Um, I'm actually surprised, and, and there's a piece in the in the book as well about how abusive sports culture can be. And um, I I think I wrongly assumed that it would be fun. <laughs> kind of Was like, it become is it becoming more fun or less fun? Um, I, I mean, it's the same amount of fun. Um, right. But I but it is people can be oddly abusive about your opinions on a player or you know a team or. It's it's very bizarre to me hmm. over, over what is a, a game like hmm. literally a game right yeah and where and where do people who have who want to you know sort of be at be advocates where 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 what do they need to do to keep you know pushing forward on that because we're definitely at a point and in the culture where you can't just stick to sports anymore but <laughs> but I mean there's <laughs> Um, I mean, I want I, I want to loop back to best Canadian sports writing on that. I think that um, I think it's it's sort it's time now to sort of step away from your your regular. I'm just going to read the same mainstream content every day. Like to seek out other voices and other opinions is really important. 
Um, you know, there's been this great proliferation of podcasts by women, um, you know, women of color, the people who um, normally don't have a place in the conversation are creating their own spaces. And I think that, you know, the mainstream sports consumer should be seeking those um, perspectives out and consuming that media. And you mentioned, of course, talk uh, sports talk radio. Like, is, I'm trying to rack my brain. Is there even like on the two stations in Toronto? Does did the either of them have like a regular woman host? I think does not doesn't Sherry Ford host? Does Sherry Ford host on TSN? I, I mean, I, we'll have to double check that. But is there a show with like two women hosting? I, I feel like that's like something that's really lagged behind. See, I, and most of my my perspective in the media is is baseball. So uh, you know, Hazel May is basically one of the only women I know who's, who's you know, a sports personality, a baseball personality. Um, there is a, um, Laura Armstrong's at the Star. Mm-hmm. She's doing beat stuff at the Star, which is great. Um, the Athletic has, 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 got, has made some headway in that regard, have they not? Um, I'm their only woman baseball writer. Baseball. <laughs> I was thinking of seeing uh, uh, for Sanaya does hockey. Um, yes, mm-hmm. and yeah, there is there are some women who work there as well, but it's still very overwhelmingly male so a lot more can be changed yes yes Um, i try every time i talk to people i try to be as optimistic as possible but yes a lot can change do you Um, think it will i well i i mean things have changed in the past five years that i've been working in sports so yes i do think things can change um you know we saw the Greg Zahn thing that happened recently that, that mm-hmm. you know, we're having conversations about the environment in sports media. So, yeah. Um, just to switch, <laughs> switch gears a little bit. Yeah, we feel like uh, we took it down um, a dark road. <laughs> so in terms of... Uh, well, and, and I always feel like whenever we have these, these conversations, it's like, let's fix it now. And that's, I mean... Oh, let's just have a conversation. And, and realistically, that doesn't happen. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's a kind of a day-by-day thing, right? Yeah. Just, you know, question your own thinking, like question your own assumptions, I guess. Yeah, and I think people do that. They have been doing that. Um, upcoming projects. Uh, oh. First of all, is this book, is there a book tour involved with this? Or is it probably not, I'm assuming, with so many different authors? And, uh, like, how's that working? And what, what, do you, what have you got coming up? What are you working on? Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm eight months pregnant. I didn't even notice that. You did tell me that all the way in. I had no idea. So, no, there's nothing like, this is literally one of the last things I'm going to do before I have a child, because I made a human, so I'm just going to, and I actually find it really funny when, like, people have been asking me that, and I'm like, you can't even, in this environment, you can't even, like make a baby and have that be an excuse to take time off. So cross that question off. <laughs> well, I, I, do, I do have a oh, yes. sort of a related, <laughs> related question. Uh, what do you think of people who name children after an athlete? Oh, okay. So that, I mean, that's a funny thing because um, there, there were there were baby names on the table that were athlete-related baby names. And my partner was like, no, that's not happening. And I even tried to like sneak some in, like. What about a middle name? Um, no, it's it's a big, and I think that's. So fair. tell me, what you try and sneak in, like Joe Carter? No, I can't because I, if I do that, then so you'll, you'll give it away. Yeah, so I just. But this podcast is not being released, well, for another week, so. Well, I'm not gonna have hopefully not gonna be <laughs> yeah. another week, so. 
Let's hope not. Fingers crossed. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I will share my, like I say, I became an uncle this year, and my, and my sister, her husband, their family last name is it's Maraud, right? So she just kept hearing Mitch Marner, Mitch Marner during Toronto Maple Leafs games. So she's like, okay, I got to have MM initials. So that, oh. that, that, that steered, but she didn't, you know, obviously pick, she didn't name, name her son I, Mitchell. I mean, but it's a bit dangerous to name children after living people. That's a bit... It's like getting a tattoo of yes, like yes, a famous yes. person's quote. Yeah, it could or be. Oh, like, I think she's literally giving us a hint. At, you know, I get it. Okay. What? So maybe, I'm not giving you. There's no, no hint. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you were thinking of a, a deceased legend player that you know when you were saying you were, you were trying to slip some in there. <laughs> no, okay. I'm not. <laughs> we're, we're getting silly. Well, anyway, but the, I mean, the big joke was that I'm an Adam Lind fan. Oh yeah. So Eric Crean actually said like, were there variations on Adam Lind, like Lindy and Adam, and, mm-hmm. and that might have been a thing that, that okay, all right, was was a big no at home, but. <laughs> so so upcoming projects, nothing in the near, in the in the immediate future. But I have to ask you this, which is the million dollar question: How does anyone submit to the next one, and is there going to be a next um, one? We don't know. We don't know yet. Um, so get out there, buy the book. For everybody on your holiday list who likes sports of any kind, and even people who don't, and then there'll be another one. <laughs> well, you know, I'm gonna say, um, unless Nate has anything to add, I want to say that um, this week I wanted to start uh, giving uh, hospitality gifts to our guests. Oh wow! And in in this case, I wanted to invite you to a Blue Jay game with me and Nate at some point in the future. Would you be? Willing to come out and, and watch that. some baseball with us? I've actually always wanted to do a podcast from a baseball game. So that is a very fun thing. That we do have a done. green screen here, but I don't think <laughs> really, we can project <laughs> being at the Sky Dome. Or it might be called the Sky Dome. I mean, the, you know, Rogers might sell the team. Who knows? Yeah. Oh. I said Sky Dome. Um, anyway, I'm sticking with it. Um, yeah, uh, Nate, anything, uh, anything you want to add? And, and if, if not... Is there anything you want to add, Stacey, uh, before uh, we kind of part ways here? Um, I, I just, I have such a fondness for, for the people involved in Best Canadian Sports Writing, the writers. Like, I'm so lucky to be involved in the projects and work with such a, a great roster of writers. And to work with Pashamala has been incredible. And um, you should really buy it. And I can say that because all I wrote was the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, you compiled the, so there's uh, some really amazing work in here. And yes, you should buy it. And um, we hope um, you will come and join us again sometime. I would love that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for coming. All right, thank you. Thanks.